is James Rousseau, and I'd like to welcome you to another episode of The Coiling Solution, where we empower you through awareness and actionable insights. With an estimated 19.9 million students in college each year, it's almost impossible to not know someone who doesn't need to learn how to get their career started the right way. Today's show is all about how to get that first internship, the job, do well at it, and maximize it. Aliza Lick is the founder and president of Leave Your Mark LLC and the former longtime SVP of Global Communications at Donna Karen International. It's there where she created and was the voice for the DKNY PR girl, amassing over 1.5 million followers on that platform. She's a frequent keynote speaker with 2019 appearances, including CES, Facebook, the University of Michigan Ross Business School. She's been profiled in New York Times and was on the cover of the article who will be America's next top mentor, just to name a few of her accomplishments. During this episode, we dive into Elisa's best-selling book, Leave Your Mark, Land Your Dream Job, Kill It In Your Career, Rock Social Media, which is ranked number five in Book Authority's best career development books of all time. We also discuss Elisa's path from DKMY to her new company, the lessons she's learned, and much, much more. So as always, sit back and buckle up, because we're about to link up with Elisa Licht. Good morning. How are you? Good morning. Thanks so much for having me on. I'm excited I'm, to be here. I'm excited to have you here. Having gone through the book in detail. Okay. You I'm, did that quickly. I'm, I'm impressed. I'm really <laughs> looking forward to this conversation because I feel like we're somewhat kindred spirits. We both enjoy mentoring people. We both enjoy helping folks with their career. But I love um, some of the detail you go through, particularly focused on new entrants into their career. So I'm really mm-hmm. looking forward to this conversation. So before we get started, and this is going to be really difficult for you, having built a community of 1.5 million uh, users um, or, or friends, if, as you call them, what will be one thing that you can share that they probably don't know? About me? Yes. Um, a lot of people, you know, when you work in the fashion industry, they assume that you were a fashion major, communications major, marketing major. Um, I majored in neurobiology and physiology. Did you just hear that thing? Did it yeah. just no worries. Uh, what did we do it? Well, no, I have to quit Outlook. Let me quit. Okay. So I'll, I'll, I'll say it again. Okay. So when you work in fashion, people assume that you were a fashion major, a communications major, a marketing major, and I actually graduate, graduated with a BS in neurobiology and physiology because I was pre-med. Right. So that's something that a lot of people don't know because they assume, you know, that you, you know, they assume your major was related somehow to what you do. I love that. And I love the, um, by the way, uh, <laughs> I, I went through your audio book, right? So you didn't, you didn't do the read, did you? Yes, I did. You did. Okay, perfect. So I loved your mom, which is, you know, the part where your mom says, and you do have, you have a plan, right? When you tell them <laughs> you're not going to continue with that in school. I love that part. You, you do have a plan, right? Yes, yes. So my parents, <laughs> when they learned that I was no longer going to be a doctor, they, they were like, what, what, I mean, what do you mean? You have right. a plan? I was like, mm, not really. Yeah, I love that part. And when you say, uh, when you tell them that and they say, uh, Aliza, like when they use your, when they use your whole name, it's like, okay, <laughs> I'm in trouble. You're in trouble. <laughs> That's awesome. Totally. That's awesome. All right. So I want to jump right in because, you know, I think the book is, is so well constructed. Um, as a Thank fellow you. author, I really love the layout. I think the, the parts, so I'm going to highly recommend, uh, um, recommend the folks who've been listening to the podcast for a while, as you guys know, 
I'm a fan of trying to help people empower themselves through information. The book is laid out in such a way of parts that really help you think about how you land your job in part one, then killing in your career in part two, rocking social media to elevate your platform, and then part four, creating the brand of you. So it's structured in an awesome way with Aliza telling her story throughout, as well as the stories of others, uh, anonymized, if you will, uh, to, to keep the, to keep folks innocent, right? So I want to jump in because one of the things you say early on in the book, and actually I think Don, Donna Karen says it, or you says it, Donna Karen does the, uh, the forward, is that um, it's not a, it's, it's a must-do book, right? It's not just, just a how-to book, it's a must-do book. And I, for me, the level of conviction just came across from early on in the book. Talk about that. Why such a high level of conviction? Because it's a career mentorship, right? So I'm coming from the perspective of everything I did wrong and everything I did right. And I'm, and I'm telling my truth, right? So I am sitting here saying I've now been in this business for over 20 years and the advice is universal. It's not specific to fashion, although the stories are fashion. So I'm, I'm coming from the perspective of I've done it already mm -hmm. and I'm telling you, you need to do this. And, and the reason why, and thank you for commenting on the structure of the book, because I wanted it to be something that people could go back to. I wanted it to be something that you put post-its in, you highlight, you look back at, at each step of your career, whether you're getting a new job or interviewing or, you know, going in for a, a salary negotiation. So um, to me, it's mandatory. Absolutely. It's mandatory to know these things. Mm -hmm. No, it's great. And I think, and Donna Karen's forward. I love it. And so people are going to think I like had you come on to like double, double down on, on my personal beliefs. That is not the case, folks. I can promise you that. Okay. But in the first part of my book, you know, I spend probably 20% of my book talking about passion, right? I just believe it has to be a guiding principle. And I love what Donna Karen says. She says, when it comes to your career, you can't expect to succeed unless you have passion for what you do. I mean, she makes no apologies about that statement. I mean, she says it so clearly. How'd you feel when she said that? Did you guys discuss that beforehand? Or was that just her own words as she wrote the forward? Sorry. That's okay. I can edit. I can edit that. Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> So I think we live that at Donna Karen. You know, I was with her for 17 years and she is truly one of the most visionary, creative geniuses in the world. Mm -hmm. um, what I've seen her, you know, take a piece of fabric and rip it in shreds and knot it and all of a sudden drape it onto a model and it's a Grecian evening gown. Um, so, you know, you can see her passion and... I think that just that that just exudes out of her and then and then and then comes across in everything she does. And, and we all were the benefit. Right. We were the beneficiaries rather of, of that. So, you know, reading her forward. No, we didn't talk about the forward before, you know, she sent it. Um, but I'm not surprised. It was no surprise. It. it was kind no. of what you lived out. That's awesome. Exactly. Awesome. Exactly. So, you know, you've now, you know, you elevated yourself to a very prominent role in, in Donna Karen. You took DKNY uh, PR girl to this awesome community. I think uh, in the book, uh, at the end of the book, it was at about, I think, a half million. Uh, yeah. Right. And now that, it's one, that was that was at twi on Twitter on Twitter. OK, so yeah, OK. The other platforms that sort of made up collected 1.5. And then you now have pivoted to now go do your own company and so on and so forth. Talk about that level of awareness, because one of the things that came across to me, and I, I did a transition last year myself, I'm always interested in people who are at a certain point in their career where most people go, no, 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 stay there, keep going. You, you're 
oh my God, you're at the top of the top of the pyramid. Why make a change? Talk about some of the awareness points to help you get to making that change and then working through the change. So in PR, we we always say things like you're only as good as your last credit, right? So if I was dressing someone at the Oscars on a Sunday night, that night I'm like, oh my God, I am so amazing. Monday morning, I'd come into the office feeling like, you know, Queen B, like, look what I did last right. night, right? Press would come out, it's all amazing. And then by Tuesday, it's like it never happened. Mm. And it's like, what's your next trick? So we kind of always live that way, that you you can't really enjoy it for more than one day in press because it's fleeting. It's, you know, it's, we used to say what, like wrapping fish in yesterday's newspaper. Um, so I've sort of always been someone who's constantly looking for the next thing, the next thing. So. DKNY PR Girl, you know, was something I created in 2009 on top of my day job as SVP of Global Communications. I did it for six years. It was the most amazing uh, time in my career of just creativity and innovation and, you know, pioneering digital for fashion. And um, I was approached to write a book. So I wasn't even my idea to write a ah, book. Okay. book. The book came out in 2015, May. And then in June... Uh, the company started changing. So my mentor stepped down, Patty Cohen, who is the most amazing person in the entire world and someone who I'm extremely close with to this day. And then in July, Donna stepped down. And that was sort of my cue. I was like, you know what? This is a really good stopping point. You know, in college, I always, you know, you were never done studying, but you could find a stopping point. Right. Like, okay, I can, I can go out now. I can leave this library after 10 hours. Um, so I was like, you know what? This is a great stopping point. I've had a storied career, 17 years. I'm going to wrap it in a bow and I'm going to go do speaking and promote my book and, and do other things. So it just seemed like all signs were pointing to moving on. And also, you know, at a certain point, you're like, okay, leave on a high note, right? Right. So I do believe in that. That's and good. So, so that's what I did. And I went out on my own, you know, for 10 months, um, which was a really interesting experience because it was it was like culture shock for me to be mm -hmm. like on my own that's great and how, you've enjoyed it well actually i i didn't enjoy it um i set out to do consulting and and do speaking and all of that all the book stuff i loved all mm -hmm. the speaking i loved the consulting i was you know meeting i have a very you know extensive network of course after all these years in fashion and i have incredible contacts and I was meeting with all these amazing people and I was keeping track of everything and trying to like document like, oh, I met with this CEO today and what's next steps and what was our conversation and really trying to, you know, almost have my own report card as to how right. I was doing. And 10 months in, I kind of looked at it and I was like, you know, anyone who would look at this would be like, oh my God, these are amazing meetings. But in reality, and I'm really, really honest with myself, I was like, I'm not that impressed. Like, what did I actually do? Like, what did I even, like, what did I accomplish in these 10 months? And I was like, not a whole lot. Hmm. And part of it was that I, I didn't think that my heart was in it to really like pedal, you know, push the pedal to the metal. So I decided that um, I maybe wanted to go back into a brand and be part of a team and, and go back to sort of what I was used to. I actually wrote an article for Forbes on how you know you're not meant to be an entrepreneur. Hmm. That did extremely well because I think entrepreneurship in this in this day and age is 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 almost trendy. It's like 
when you're graduating from college, people are like, wait, you're going to go work for someone else? Like, why would you do that? Exactly. Exactly. You know, it's almost like you're embarrassed to say like, yes, I'm going to go work for a company and I'm going to have a boss, right? Right. Can't work for the man. Right. So when you think about um, your book and since your book's been published, what has been maybe two or three things that come to mind that when you do a speaking event or book signing and such that people have thanked you for the most that they said, you know, man, when I've gone through the book, this is the thing that really, you know, shed, shed some light for me. I think that people really relate to my honesty. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm I keep it real, real. Um, and, um, I'm really direct. I mean, I'm direct in real life too, but I, I really tell my story in a way that is, um, it's authentic, it's relatable. You know, you can picture yourself in the same situation. And then I also teach people how to get out of the situation based on what I did right or what I did wrong. Um, I think for the most part, the book um, has made people feel motivated to take that next step in whatever they're doing because I give them the tools to do so. So it's like you read the book and you're like, you can close that book and literally go right away to initiate some of the advice that I give. Right. Um, so I think it's just, it's, it's easy to take action with. And people have really, you know, written to me and said they've, you know, they've landed jobs, they've, you know, negotiated salaries, they've become better leaders because of it. And I'm really proud of that. That's great. Now, you know, one of the things I picked up um, as I read through it is the, the, genuine nature in which you approach social media, creating the community, um, having conversations, uh, even your points around not planning out and scheduling out posts versus being in the moment and feeling it. Um, and your openness to, to the questions and whatnot, like the, the intern you talked about and such. <clears throat> Talk about a little bit um, as, you know, kind of you open the aperture, right? Particularly probably when you pivoted as well, you probably had more questions coming in than ever before. What's been the most common two or three questions as well as a follow-up as folks have gone through your book? How to break into fashion. Oh, is that right? Okay. I think is, is a, is a really um, popular one because it, you know, it is a little bit of a club um, and mm. it is hard because, you know, not to say you have to know someone because I didn't know someone, but um, you definitely have to be creative in the way that you network. I, I was telling someone last night, I did a talk last night, and I was saying to someone that I don't believe that people should just apply for jobs. I think you have to really do some digging and figure out who you know that may know someone that may know someone who works at that company in some capacity and have someone really personally hand deliver your resume to HR or the hiring manager because it's just a black hole. You know, all those online, it's so easy to apply, right? Easy apply on LinkedIn. Right. But that, I mean, think about the thousands upon thousands of resumes that are going into that portal. It's just not, it's just not realistic to think that yours is going to be picked up. Yep, exactly. And that's probably a great segue into part one, because I love this story. So part one, um, and this is for folks who, let's think about yourself. You're in high school, maybe you're not going to college for whatever the reason may be, or you're in college and you want to get that first internship job. Part one is landing your dream job. And in that, uh, Aliza tells this story about a mom who, with her best heart, is trying to help her daughter get a job because she has some contacts at this company. And maybe Aliza, just 
for 90 seconds, two minutes or so. Talk about this and the 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 uh, tragedy that were, so to speak. Yeah. So, you know, best intentions, obviously. I think that, you know, when you're in college, you're an adult. You are an adult and you need to advocate for yourself. And that's not to say that if you have a connection to someone that you shouldn't use it because you absolutely should. But instead of this daughter reaching out and saying, hi, you know, my mom, you know, knows so-and-so and I would love an opportunity to meet you and interview, you know, for a job or whatever the case may be. Her mother was the one who pitched her. Mm. And, you know, when she reached out, she wrote me this like whole novel email and I very kindly wrote back and sort of just said that, you know, unfortunately, for whatever reason, it, it, it was not going to happen. And she was relentless. And then she called me and she was, it was, it was to the point that I was like, okay, one, like your daughter probably doesn't even know that you're doing this. And if she does, she should be mortified that you're doing this mm-hmm. because it was just, it was, it was such a turnoff. So, um, takeaways are use your connections, but advocate for yourself because is, is the mother going to come in and do the job every day for you? Like, you know, or if you get in trouble, is the mom going to come up like parent teacher conference night and be like, (laughs) well, why'd she get in trouble that day? I mean, that's not someone you want to hire. So, um, it's snowplow parenting, which is they try to just plow through and move away like snow, all of the obstacles, um, in their children's paths. And I understand why they want to do that, but they have to let their kids really work for it. Right. Right. So my college students, no snowplow parenting. (laughs) Don't let them do it. Okay. Um, One of the other tips she gives in part one is, you know, after you get the job, you're not a part of the club until someone tells you that you're a part of the club. And, you know, I've seen this one play out, but I'll, I'll let you talk about it, Lisa, in terms of some of the behavior uh, that you note that you've seen play out on this one? I, I'm i pretty sure this is not just a fashion industry thing. Um, I think that, you know, in a company, there's a hierarchy, right? There's, you know, from junior, you know, assistant up until CEO. And there's a hierarchy for a reason because there is a chain of command um, and there is a management format uh, that, that needs to be adhered to. And when you're starting out, and I think this is prevalent in a lot of young people today where, and God bless them, they're, you know, super confident. They think they have, they can bring a lot to the table. Great. Good for you. But they forget that there's still a lot that they need to learn and that there are people ahead of them who have already done the work, mm-hmm. have already learned a lot, and are there to mentor and expand their horizons. Um, and unfortunately, sometimes, you know, people come into organizations and they feel that they're already on that level. And they begin to sort of um, exude this chumminess, if you will, where it's like peer-to-peer, but you're not peers. You're not a peer to the CEO, right? You're, you're a junior person. So, you know, when I was an intern at Harper's Bazaar, when I first started, um, the, the team was really friendly to me. They were very, very welcoming and very warm. And I got comfortable really quickly. And I, and I, and I felt comfortable and it came across in the way that I conversed with them and the way that I interacted with them. But I always remembered that I was still an intern and that they were the ones who really worked there. So there's just this level of um, respect um, and professionalism that you need to 
you need to give the people who are ahead of you because they can turn really quickly. Mm. You know, once they think if, it, if it's too soon and they think like, oh, she thinks she's like already in this, they're going to turn on you real quick because they've worked for it right. and you haven't yet. Right. Yeah. Too, too much showing too much comfort too quickly. I've seen that um, a lot, uh, particularly with uh, I hate to say it sometimes with the MBA students uh, coming in for an internship during the summer at different places. And, you know, one of the things you, you talk about um, that I think is really important to kind of double click on for a second is understanding the value of the internship at its core. Right. I think in a lot of cases, just in corporate environments or in, in where we are, you know, from a society perspective, this whole thing of apprenticeship and understanding the value of being under a good uh, apprentice, someone who's mastered these set of skills can't be uh, valued enough. Quite frankly, you can't pay for what you're going to learn from that person in their years upon years of experience, et cetera. Yeah. So really uh, give that the, the proper value that it deserves. Um, so the, what the last question I ask about part one in terms of managing, uh, your boss, right? Maybe that's not the right term, but I, th I think maybe it is, you know, there's, there's multifacets, uh, as it relates to managing that relationship with your boss. And you hit on a couple things. One about anticipating the needs of your boss, filtering what you say to your boss. Mm. Um, and then, you know, just thinking about, you know, ongoing relationship. Can you spend a few minutes on that? Yeah. I mean, I think, listen, bosses come in all shapes and sizes. And to your point earlier, you know, sometimes you learn a lot from someone and sometimes that person is not a good leader and not a good manager and doesn't want to impart education to the person beneath them. And you have to ask for it. So it's really important to understand someone's working style. I think a lot of people don't realize when they're interviewing for a job, the skill set is part of it. You have to have the skill set. But the other part of it is, does the person who's interviewing you want to work with you? Mm. And so personality and interactions matter. So understanding um, and anticipating what your boss needs and wants and trying to get ahead of that. So I always try to think about my role um, in a very broad way and think like, okay, I just finished that. Okay. What would be the next logical thing that she would ask me to do. And I would try to get ahead of it so that when she said, Hey, can you go do X, Y, and Z? I'm like, Oh, actually I already did that. Right. Um, the other thing is, you know, understanding certain bosses working style. Like a lot of people are super overwhelmed by email. Actually, most people are overwhelmed. And I think a pretty prevalent thing that some bosses do is they don't really read mm. the emails. So they might read one sentence but they miss the main point. So when you're sort of communicating, especially in writing, you really need to be brief and you need to make sure that you are getting to the point quickly so that when your boss is scrolling through their thousand emails, they get it. And, and also not to assume that they get it. So making sure like if you don't hear back from someone, it's like, well, don't assume that they got it, you know, follow up. I think there's a level of just effort you have to make on your part to make sure, um, that you're always doing your job well and, and an employee's job is to make their boss shine, right? Mm -hmm. So that you need to make sure that you're doing everything to support the person ahead of you, that person's doing everything they can to support the person that's ahead of them. And you know, that, that's sort of, that's what makes the world go round. So you, you know, that, that communication point you made too, you, I think you thread that throughout, you know, trying to be succinct and thoughtful in communications and thinking ahead um, to make it convenient for the recipient is a point I think you made several times throughout the book in regards to the cover letter, how you send it and all kinds yeah. of different things is a, is a great point you make throughout the book. 
So then to part two and killing it in your career. Um, and I'm sure I, I would love to know what kind of receptivity you got to this one. Um, you don't get a promotion for the doing the job. You get a promotion for going over and above the job. How, how does that resonate with people? Well, what you get for doing the job is your salary. Right. Like that's what you get. Right? I agree. I agree. So, I agree. Like <laughs> tenfold. Yeah, um, I agree. You know what? I got no pushback from that. Good. I think, I think people were like, oh, great. I get the salary. So what do you need to do to get a promotion? You need to really go above and beyond. Um, and you need to show how you did that. So whenever I've gone in for a promotion, I have usually had a document of everything that I've done that has been above and beyond mm. and what my achievements are. And I've usually made it visual, uh, like a visual PowerPoint of some kind, because I think by even preparing for those meetings in that way, you're showing how seriously you're taking the conversation and the consideration of being promoted. That's interesting. So, um, so you go in with a document to talk about how to get promoted. Uh, um, let me say it this way. You go in with a document substantiating why you should be promoted. Yes. And if I remember correctly, um, you go in off cycle, meaning well ahead of when the review cycle is going to yeah. happen. And I've tried to say this to mentors, uh, mentees before. You want to be out of the, the mass volume of everybody going in, right? During review time, everyone's going to say they should get promoted. Everyone's going to yeah. say they should get a bigger increase than the normal whatever. If the, if the company's annual percentage is going to be 3%, Guess what? Everyone's going to say I should get more than three percent. Mm-hmm. So you've got to be earlier to the to the trough, for lack of better yeah. terms. And Elisa just gave you another great tip. So yeah, there's too many mouths to feed. Yeah. So here's one that um, when I read this, I, I think I read it twice because it, it just made me laugh. It was such a great story. Um, but it ended with learn to work with the talented Mr. Ripley. Right? <laughs> <laughs> and I just love this story. And you don't you don't have to go through the whole story if you want. Uh, it's up to you. But, you know, the point around working with difficult people uh, and sometimes let's be honest, dishonest people. Mm-hmm. Right. Who don't have your best interest at heart yeah. um, and how you manage that, because, you know, sometimes in the office place, we want to uh, we want to show we, we want to reciprocate. Right. In the way they're acting. And that won't leave us in a good place. And you laid out some you laid out one a very truthful story, but some uh, some some good ways to deal with it. So, yeah, I'm pretty hardcore about this. I mean, I am I go in to a role and to a team with total team mentality. You know, I'm in the trenches. I'm with my team. Um, it's how I've always been. And I am someone who supports them. Um, and I support my other. Oh, That's okay. Um, maybe start from where, uh, okay. Um, so I take this really seriously when I go into a role. Um, I, I'm a team player. You know, I am a team player with my actual team where I immerse myself with them and I consider myself part of part of the group, not above them. And in addition, um, with the rest of the executives in the company. And a lot of people are just really, really competitive and sort of out for themselves. And I, I just, when I see that, I can, I can sense it in like a second. And, um, I sort of go into like a DEFCON one, like, okay, now I know it's like paper trail, no phone conversations, everything in writing, like making sure that you cover your, you know what, mm-hmm. um, perfectly because they're dishonest and they're going to make stuff up 
and you have to be prepared. And I had one person um, in my former life who did this to an extreme. And um, I actually took her to HR. I said, okay, you know what? Let's, let's go have a meeting together with HR and we can talk this out. And I was extremely confrontational about it. And um, I printed every single email. <laughs> and I, <laughs> I brought my I handbag to the meeting. I brought my handbag to the meeting and she starts lying in front of HR. And I'm like, I'm like listening to her and I'm just actually impressed with the level of just dishonesty. I was like, wow, this is like at another level. It's creativity. <laughs> it's very creative. It's like a talented Mr. Ripley. And I, I said, oh, okay. Okay. So are you done? Are you done? Okay, great. And I reached down and I pull out like two inches of printed email <laughs> and I slam it down on the table and I'm like, let's go through everything you just said. I'm like, how much time do we have? Okay, two hours, let's go. And I just crushed her. She ended up getting fired. Um, and, uh, you know, it's like, I don't play that game. I do not play that game. You know, I love the movie The Devil Wears Prada, but I do not play that game. Mm -hmm. You have to be a team player. You have to. Yep. That's awesome. I mean, and, and, and for those, um, again, I'm going to recommend you get the book, but there was a couple points in here, if you didn't pick it up in Elise's uh, narrative, right? One is documentation over conversation, right? I mean, went to creating the documents and making a library. Two, she didn't say it, but it's implied, didn't go around the office talking about it with everyone else, right? There was a point that she made in the book around not making this a gossip line, not talking about it with the other people. You diminish your credibility when you do that and you take away the strength of your argument and credibility with HR when you sit down to have that conversation if you do that. It's yeah. about the documentation and then being above board and keeping everything in email and such, things such as that versus phone conversations and such. I'm so glad you raised that point because the gossip part is, is really, um, you know, it's so easy to do that because you want to vent but it's much better to just go direct to the source, confront it head on in a professional way. Yeah, vent with your cat. <laughs> <laughs> so then part three, uh, you talk about rocking social media. And, you know, I love this section um, for several reasons. One, I really respect what you've done uh, at uh, DKNY PR Girl. But two, uh, absolutely, I love the uh, authentic way in which you approach it. And, and again, building genuine relationships uh, one at a time, uh, each interaction. Um, but you talk about, you know, a couple things, managing the brand consciously uh, and staying away from calendarized things. And I'm, I'm going to use my words and tell me if I'm off here. But what I felt also was looking to give versus to get. Right. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times when people are managing social media, they're concerned about watching their count of each post go up, watching their. Uh, how many their followers go up, so on and so forth. And what I got from what you were saying was you were looking to share information in a genuine way about what was going on. And if it helped folks, that was great. So on and so forth. Of course, you're looking to build a brand, right? That was a part of the gig. But the 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 focal point, the focal point seemed more about giving. Is that is that fair? Yeah, I think it is fair because my metric for success was engagement. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the count you know, yeah, I mean, I'm happy for it to go up. But at the end of the day, I really looked at the engagement rate because I wanted to know that what I was saying was resonating and that I wasn't just pushing content out. So, you know, for me and, and, and right now we're, we're specifically talking about Twitter because that is where I spent the bulk of my time. And I was tweeting like over a hundred times a day, speaking to any single person who was speaking to the brand. Um, I think that 
people, you know, it's social media, it's social for a reason. And a lot of brands come at it from the perspective of just like pushing out content. They do not really want to engage with anyone. They're not really interested in having a conversation or a relationship. And that's not how I, that's not how I, um, that's, that was not my strategy. Um, and I think, you know, as far as content calendars go, I felt strongly, um, especially on Twitter. Now, Instagram is different because Instagram, you know, there is a production side of it. You need images. You have to figure out how you're getting those images and when you're getting those images but um, and, and the cadence of the posting. But with Twitter, you know, Twitter right now, I think we're at a point where it is a main news source. It is a main um, pop culture source. It is live events. And when you schedule posts, your posts can go off in a time when something crazy mm. is happening in the world or something terrible just happened or, you know, whatever, like the royal baby was born or whatever. And you can sound really stupid by having things that are completely just tone deaf um, pop up because you've, you know, once you schedule it, you totally forget about it. Right. And um, one of the best examples that I have of that was that when Osama bin Laden was killed, um, one of the beauty magazines was posting about, it was like, Osama bin Laden has been killed. And then the next tweet was, the 10 best lip glosses of summer. And it's like, <laughs> no, no, now is not the time to talk about the 10 best lip glosses of summer. And I, I was, I was on Twitter at that moment. And I was like, Oh God, that community manager, like yes. forgot that they scheduled something and, and you can't, it's like, this is what I say in the book. It's like putting a cake in the oven and then leaving the apartment. It's like, you don't do that. Right. It will burn. Yeah. So you have to watch it, babe. So true. How have you um, transitioned, if you have, or, or how do you think about the use of video now? That videos are becoming just so prominent as a uh, and social, you know, social video as a main source for many yeah. people, particularly millennials and Gen Z. I mean, I think they start with video through social, right? IGTV, yeah. YouTube, etc. So personally, I'm not, um, I don't really do a lot of video only because my, my own, my own platforms, they're there for fun. I'm not trying to like be an influencer and okay. I, I don't have time to like sit there and really think about content strategy, but for brands, yes, video is very important. And actually the algorithms are favoring video. So mm -hmm. I think it's, 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 it's paramount to have a video strategy, um, and um, that it doesn't have to be super high production either. I think that, you know, we're all feeling right now, I think a lot of um, sort of uh, digital strategists that I speak to are feeling that, you know, the more authentic the posts, the better. People are kind of over this overproduced, perfect image. Um, so you don't have to spend a lot of money on it. Yeah. On your own. It's almost like more, more in the moment, the better almost. Yes. Yeah. Cause people want to see your authentic self. Yeah, absolutely. So wrapping up on part four, creating the brand of you. Um, one of the things you said was actually, you know, a don't do is when you get to that place, that elevated place of being the boss, don't be a jerk. Um, <laughs> so that was a don't do. What's one of the most important to do's? about the creating the brand of you in your mind? I think you have to always think about 
how you interact with other people and what they would say about working with you. Mm-hmm. Like what, you know, we call it personal branding now, but it's really just good old fashioned reputation. Like what do people think about you? What does your brand look like on social? How do you sound? Like, what are you speaking about? What are you sharing? What are your images? All of that comes together to create a picture. And you have to really think about what kind of message are you sending? So I always recommend people especially before they're applying for a job to go through their social profiles if they're public and really do a spring cleaning. Think of yourself in third person. Think about if you were the hiring manager of a company and they went on your social, what would they think of it? Um, I think it's really important. And, and, you know, as far as um, creating your brand, you know, being consistent in the way. So whether you're on Instagram or Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, like, having a bio that speaks to who you are, what you do, what you want to do, having a professional photo doesn't have to be actually shot by a professional photographer, but it should be like, you know, against a white background, something clean, something that looks like you are a real working person. Um, And all of these things go into just your personal brand. And it's really important because especially now it's like social is, is exhibit B uh, right after your resume. And sometimes, you know, LinkedIn is sometimes even before the resume, it's people recruiters are searching on there all day long. And that's the first, that's the first point of um, impression. Yep. For sure. Well, let me ask you this. Um, You know, when I think about, you know, folks such as yourself, because I ask everyone this question, but even folks such as you who give more, uh, in this space, you know, I always think of, you know, a glass, right? And so you, you, you're constantly putting water in your cup and then you're giving water out. You give a lot out. So how do you keep yourself refreshed in terms of keeping, you know, your sharp, your saw sharpened? How do you keep sharp? That's a great way to say it. Um, you know, I, I have been very, very fortunate in my career. I have really always been around supportive, wonderful people who have, always been happy for my successes. I've always been happy for their successes. And, um, you know, I think, listen, growing up, I, I, I love my favorite toy was my blackboard and my chalk. So mm. I always love teaching. I actually second grade made like a homework club for my friends where I'd give them homework and grade it. So I, I have like an innate sort of teaching mentality. Um, and it brings me joy to know that you know, something that's so simple for me, or like a one sentence piece of advice when someone, you know, emails me through my website has like been that aha moment for someone else. It just, it just makes me feel joy. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, yes, I think, I, I, I hope that that good karma comes back to me. I mean, it doesn't, it's, it's definitely, um, something where I'm not, I'm not keeping a scorecard, you know, I'm not thinking, Oh, if I help three people today, then I'm going to go out for, and ask for three things. But I just think it, it makes you a better person and it also makes you someone um, that I call an Uber connector. So I am very much a resource for a lot of people. Uh, people are constantly asking me, um, you know, do I know this person? Do I know that person? And, you know, if someone takes advantage, I, I will note that and I will I will pull back. But if for the most part, I'm happy to help. Mm-hmm. You know, someone emailed me yesterday and they were like, oh my God, there's this legal job um, at Barney's, do you know any, you know, do you know anyone at Barney's? And I was like, no, I don't know any, anyone at Barney's, but let me just quickly check LinkedIn. And I went on LinkedIn and I'm like, oh my God, the head of HR at Barney's used to be the head of HR at DKNY. Gotcha. Random. 
Okay. So it's like, of course I'll send her resume along, you know? So it's just, it's my nature. Um, and yeah, I mean, I, I, as far as staying refreshed, um, you know, I'm a mom, I'm busy. I have different perspectives. I have a lot of friends and family outside my industry. I think it's really important to have like another life outside of your, you know, work circle because Mm -hmm. work takes so much out of you that you need to just have other perspectives. My husband is a great barometer of like, calm yourself down. Like, you know, right. You know, I, you know, like I'm going to do leave your mark podcast. And he was like, like, why? And I'm like, well, what do you mean? Why? Like, podcast <laughs> is great. like, why wouldn't I do a podcast? Right. Like I'm fun to talk to. I'm fun to interview people. And he was like, okay, whatever. It's not going to make any money. I'm like, okay, it's not about the money. Like it's like the naysayer of all time. And I'm like, whatever, don't listen to it. Or my 11 year old daughter will be like, Oh, mom, why'd you post that? And I'm like, you know what? Unfollow me. Right. Unfollow. Like <laughs> they keep you, they keep you grounded, right? They keep you grounded. Totally. Totally. They keep you grounded. So last question for you, uh, looking back now, uh, what would you tell the getting ready to enter college, Aliza, if you could, or e- e- even before you elected, right? Your, um, your, your uh, major, what would you tell that Aliza, if you had a chance? Um, so I think it's, you know, a lot, it's hard to know what you want to do. It really is. I would say the most important thing you can do while you're in college is to get as many internships as possible. Mm. So get them on winter break, get them in the summer, make them vary, test things out, see what you like to do and make sure that when you get those internships, that you're making a good impression while you're there. Just because you intern somewhere does not mean that you get a reference. Does that mean that anyone remembers you? I've had hundreds and hundreds of interns. I, I honestly can't tell you more than three people's names. Gotcha. Um, so I think it's really important. That will give you not just the experience, but those are the first steps in building your contact list. It's like, how do you build a network? You build a network by meeting people. How do you meet people? You got to intern. Absolutely. That's great. Such great advice. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to be with us. And uh, such a pleasure. Thanks for the great questions. You're a great host. Thank you for linking up with me for another episode of The Coiling Solution. You are informed and empowered, and so you can be accountable. Hey, a few takeaways of mine from this episode. Number one, get the job for yourself. You can leverage relationships, but do not use snowplows such as your parents, right? Get the job for yourself. Number two, earn your seat at the table and be told when you're in the club. Do not take liberties. Wait to be told when you're in that insider club. Number three, make your boss shine. Sometimes we don't like that, but it's true. Make your boss shine. Number four, earn your promotion by going over and above the job duties. Doing the job is the job. Earn your promotion by going over and above and to substantiate that ahead of the performance cycle. Number five, manage difficult relationships strategically. Documentation over conversation. When you know the relationship's difficult, start to keep things in email and in written form and no gossiping. And then number six, engage genuinely in social media to develop relationships. So those are my takeaways. I'm sure you have others sharing with me on the website. Further, if you find a podcast to be of value, as always, please subscribe, rate, and review. As you listen to these podcasts, again, you're going to have questions. Here's some things that are new to you, terminology you may have not heard before. All those things are good. I'm here to serve. You can go to the website at thecorelinksolution.com and right below the show notes, you'll see a comment section. You can ask your questions, mention challenges you face in the areas that I cover, and you can even tell us guests that you want to hear from. 
Alternatively, you can do those same things through Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter at The Core Link Solution. Thanks so much for linking up, and I will see you next episode. Until then, be informed, be empowered, be accountable.